Welcome to The Marvelous Gospel, a podcast where we examine our favorite movie through a biblical, theological, and redemptive perspective. I'm Frank Gill, and I'm here with uh, my roadie of a friend, Tommy Hutchinson. What's good? How you hey, doing, man? man? Yeah, this is fun. This is uh, We've been talking about doing this for a while, so it's cool that we're going to get this up, up and running. Uh, we're just two pastors who love Marvel. Uh, we talked about our favorite movies, and we just want to talk about what aspects of the gospel we found in those movies. It's really hard to watch those and not be impacted in some way, shape, or form. Now, you may be hearing this and going, okay, that seems like a bit of a stretch. And um, I'll be real, like there's a few times, like when we're watching a movie or two, it's like, okay, there might be a few <laughs> stretches in here. But if you're a pastor, uh, you got still sermon illustrations for days. That's, that's what we're supplying for you. If you're just a regular listener, I think that for us, the, you and I have talked about this a lot, Frank, where sometimes we don't realize how the things that we intake impact how we view everything, whether that's how we view God, how we view other people. And so to actually pause and say, okay, how do these movies impact us? And what are some cool gospel themes? So yeah, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad how it impacts us. Um, but Marvel, we watch these and we see both of those. So we hope to plot the messages between the shield, the nanotech, the web slinging, all the fun, and show how the biblical worldview uh, that can come out of these major blockbusters. So, uh, Frank, uh, what movie uh, are we starting with? What one are we doing today? We are going to do the uh, where it all started in 2008 with the movie Iron Man. All right, the very first Marvel movie in the MCU. Now, listen, if like, like we said, we, some of it might be a stretch. Some of it, you might feel like, what's going on? If you love Marvel and you are remotely interested in the things of the Lord <laughs> and scripture, you're going <laughs> to enjoy this podcast. So in 2008, the very first Marvel movie came out. It's uh, it's called Iron Man. And this was before like um, Marvel had a studio. This was kind of still, yeah. they were just trying to figure it all out. And um, it was directed by John Favreau. Uh, and it stars Robert Dunning Jr., Gwyneth Paltrow. And I don't know if I realized this when I was watching it, but – it stars Jeff Bridges, which is really? one of the one of the coolest actors. Yeah, he's at, he's Obadiah Stane. I didn't realize oh, that yeah, that was yeah, Jeff yeah. Bridges. Jeff Bridges is one of the weirdest and funniest actors <laughs> in Hollywood. Yep. And and the fact that he did such a good job with Obadiah Stane is actually really, really cool. And so um so here's a quick synopsis of Iron Man. The movie follows Tony Stark, the genius billionaire playboy philanthropist. Tony is is kind of like the Elon Musk. Uh, if Elon Musk didn't make electric vehicles and he just made military weapons. <laughs> um, and while in Afghanistan, he was giving a weapons demonstration to the U.S. government and he was captured by a terrorist cell, a terrorist group. There he realizes that these terrorists were using his weapons and he figures out a way to get out of the cave that he was being held captive in by making a giant armored suit from a box of scraps. Uh, they're, they're how legit do you have to be to take a box of scraps <laughs> and turn into Iron Man? Like Elon Musk has got nothing on that. Let's just let's <laughs> throw that true. out there. That's true. Maybe if he was coding, Elon Musk could figure <laughs> it out. But Iron Man wasn't coding here. Um, that leads him to become Iron Man, and he fights lots of evil. And that's kind of like a a really short synopsis of of this movie. There's a lot more to it, but 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 what are your quick thoughts, uh, Tommy, about this 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 kind of initial genesis of the MCU? I remember when this movie had the first preview. I don't remember what movie I was seeing, but I was in a movie theater. Growing up, every Friday night, we were at the movie theater. It was a blast. 
And I remember seeing the preview for this and almost rolling my eyes because this was on the remember the heels of like Fantastic Four and several of those superhero movies that were just not 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 Marvel's best. Let's just let's just say that. And so I remember seeing it and rolling my eyes. And then we're like, all right, let's go see it. And I remember walking out of the theater going, okay, that was really fun. And in just enjoying it. But I mean, 2008? Like, really? Like, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago. And it feels longer than that all at the same time. Um, but yeah, I thought initially the movie was fun. It was fun to go back and rewatch it. Um, I will say this, and you'll probably hear me say this for several of the movies that came out at the beginning. I am glad that Marvel has matured in their movie making a lot. Um, there was just a lot of stuff. We'll talk about it. Some of the different aspects. Um, I think one of the huge things that hit me was how much they took this idea of peace and, and rolled that through the whole movie, the entire thing. Um, actually other movies, as I'm watching, rewatching them now, I'm realizing they took a topic and they just ran with it. Um, we'll see that in several other ones as we get into further episodes. But yeah, I just I thought it was I thought it was fun. What about you? Do you have any quick takeaways from rewatching the movie? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to I think that there it, it definitely came from a different era of cinema. Like this was oh, yeah. still fresh out of the 9-11 panic of like everyone was freaked out by Muslims still. And so um, it was it's interesting to think about how grounded Iron Man was when it first came out because like like literally the last as of recording this the last movie we saw was eternals and there could there be any more big of a movie like how cosmic eternals is and then we're talking about iron man in the middle east fighting um a muslim terrorist group like it's just it's just so like it's so small compared to where we are right now um Uh but uh but yeah i mean i think i think the way it talked about you know, Muslims being the enemies or it's like terrorist cell being the enemies. Um, the way it talked about women, and I know this is going to be a, here for a while in terms of Marvel's not really going to know what to do with like female leads. In fact, I'm pretty sure, and this is kind of outside of the context of this podcast, but there was a guy who was the head of Marvel up until like the beginning of phase two who did not want a person of color as the lead of a Marvel movie or a woman. So so he was the reason why Black Panther and Captain Marvel took as long as it took. And then it, it wasn't until they changed some people out and Kevin Feige became the main guy when yeah. we started getting different movies. But uh but dude, the way they talk about women in this movie and in, and I mean, I think it's it's a lot to say about Tony Stark's character and his maturity as he grows in this in these movies, but uh that title playboy philanthropist that playboy part is true for sure yeah and it's funny because in later marvel movies i don't remember the playboy aspect as much at all like it was there and it was hinted at but it was not as heavy-handed as yeah. this one at all i think i think we're supposed to believe that like after the first avengers movie where he where we start seeing that he has like um a ptsd from all the you know the, the incident in new york that like he kind mm-hmm. of changes his partying ways i mean it because iron man anyways we, we, we'll get to that more in iron man 3 and stuff like that but like it definitely yeah, iron man 2 is coming very soon yeah iron man 2, iron man 2 is still has some of his playboy stuff but um but l- let's do this really quickly because i think you see a big theme of shalom and peace i see a big theme of 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 tony needing a new heart and we'll talk about that for a second but there's yeah. some really quick references i think in this movie that mm-hmm. like if you're a christian and you're watching this they should have been like, oh, that's a that's a reference. That's a reference. The first one I saw that 
is very early in the movie is the missiles that he makes are called the Jericho missiles. Right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's imp- like if you grew up in Sunday school, you know the story of Jericho tore down the walls, right? Like, yeah. I mean, like, so that should have been an immediate. Yeah. yeah. And, and, that, and obviously that comes from um, uh, the God's people taking over, um, going around Jericho and the walls falling down. Also, the walls of Jericho is a really good wrestling move from this wrestler, <laughs> this wrestler named Jericho. So there's a small Easter egg for those good. wrestling fans. Um, the other thing is, th- this is a very fast reference, but um, uh, Tony was supposed to be awarded some sort of award. And uh, Rhodey was there. And um, anyways, he Tony was gambling while the award was given and they gave him the award while he was at the craps table or something. And as he's walking by, was it like, Oh, he was walking by a guy dressed as Caesar and he makes, he says the line "Render to Caesar. What is Caesar's, which is a reference to what Jesus says when it comes to like, should we pay our taxes basically? (laughs) Right? Like (laughs) Mark, Mark chapter 12. And then this is a really, now this is like the niche of a niche reference right here. You only you have to kind of grow up in a certain time of evangelicalism to get this reference. But Jensen, who is kind of like one of the uh, co-stars in the very first part of the movie, he he looks at Tony and he tells him not to waste his life. He says, yeah. "Don't waste your life." And that kind of just gets me back to you know my college days when I read John Piper's "Don't Waste Your Life." And so, anyways, those are some very fast references. Uh, yeah. But here's some there's some big references here that I think as we watch this movie and we looked at this with some redemptive eyes, there's a there's two big themes that we saw. Tommy, let me hear more about your your viewing of this as you see the theme of peace and shalom in this movie. Yeah, I mean, it was really interesting to rewatch this movie and it hit you quickly how much peace was like the subject line they were going after. Everyone in the movie was looking for some form of peace. I mean, everybody. You had from Jensen, you mentioned him, the guy who was in the cave, who was like his assistant, was looking for peace. And what was his peace? It was getting back to his family. You had um, even the bad guy, what was his form of peace was to gain power. You have um, Obadiah Stane, who was to just gain as much influence as money as possible. And even Potts, like her thing was to make her peace was that Iron Man was okay. And like those were all like sub peace points. But then there was the big one, which the whole movie was centered on was Tony Stark finding real peace. Right. And so we watch this and we're like, he, he gets captured. He becomes Iron Man. He does all these things. And he, we finally go, oh, OK, he's going after world peace, which really made me stop and go, what is peace biblically? Right. Because we, we get this idea of peace is just the absence of war. I mean, you hear um, we hear all these different things. You've got the hippies like from the 70s um, war. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Well, right. Well, well, Tony says in the very beginning when he's taking that photo of that soldier, he throws up the peace sign and he says, peace. Yeah. You know, if that happens, I'll be out of a job. Yeah. And peace. So, like, I love peace. I'd be out of a job without so, peace. So even Tony thinks that what the current definition of peace is, is the absence of conflict, the absence of war. Yeah, when he was talking to a reporter early in the movie, he goes, peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. I mean, it, he goes, and he even says, "It's is it better to be feared or respected? I say, is it too much to ask for both? With that in mind, I humbly present the crown jewel, and then he shows off Jericho, right? So his idea of peace early in the movie is just ha- having a bigger stick than the other person, because that way it will make sure that there's nothing going on. But when you look at, when you ask, like, biblically, like, what is it? I actually think you have to go back to the Old Testament term shalom, which is a normal greeting in the Jewish culture today. And it simply means like peace to you. Like I bring peace to you. Um, 
and, and it so it you have this idea of he of this this piece and so when we think of that what is it well biblically it's this it's to bring to completion it, it's to finalize so it's not the absence of something it's actually the fulfillment of something and so that idea of fulfilling so what is it well i i think it's this idea of um god bringing back and restoring true shalom or sh- true peace and to bring it back to completion right because we would look back at the fall and say in genesis 3 that we're broken people we're messed up there's an absence there and true shalom then would be that restoration back to who god is and so when we look at the the world we would actually say that like what is shalom it's god restoring the earth back to its original intended purpose it's it's to bring it back and so what is tony throughout the movie is looking to create peace. I mean, he goes from like creating this war machine to then trying to get rid of terrorists to, which is so like post 2000, like 9-11, like crazy, um, to then gets into this idea of he's then wrestling with an inner peace of what did his father actually do? Um, he, he actually has this, he actually has this moment in the movie where he goes, I never got to say goodbye to my father. He's searching for inner peace. Um, and I, I thought that was so good at how in the movie, from a worldly point of view, we'd go, he's chasing after peace, right? Like, go good guys, go do the thing. But in reality, is he actually bringing back the world to the place where it's supposed to be and bring completion to it, which is the fulfillment of the gospel, which is Jesus coming and restoring the world to its rightful place, to its Eden-like state with perfect relationship with God, a perfect relationship with one another, and a perfect relationship with with creation. Yeah. And we would say in this world, like that's not it right now. And I think that's where we look at the gospel so much, and we'll we'll jump into things like atonement, or we'll jump to it's the cross. But the 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 beauty of what Jesus did on the cross and his rising from the dead is he actually brings about a new humanity through that, right? He, he views world differently. We go from I'm, I'm in it for my own sake, my own needs, um, to all of a sudden I'm living for a mission that's bigger than myself. I'm living to go and make disciples. I'm living to grow and bear fruit. And in that we find shalom. Come to me all you who are weak and weary and you will find rest. I mean, he's talking about peace there, right? This, this inner and outward peace together with Christ. And so it's funny that in the movie, it it hit me in a way where I was like, everybody is actually seeking for peace, yet no one knows what it is. They're all trying to find their own definition of it. And isn't it? I mean, we're recording this in December right now, and one of the themes of Advent, the themes that we talk about every Christmas, is peace. And it's and it's funny because it's like we do the same thing where we we desire that peace. Like we live in a world right now where we want peace from every new variant of COVID. We want peace from. The conflict that co- like, you know, all the stuff in our world is bringing, and oftentimes, like Tony, we are finding peace in all the wrong places. Like we think peace is, you know, <laughs> actually creating more violence, and therefore we f- will find peace once all of our enemies are destroyed. And ultimately, the gospel points to the fact that the peace that we need is an alien peace that comes yeah. outside of us from Christ, from heaven. And it's a peace that we can have in the midst of chaos, which is which is kind of crazy to think about. That that the peace that the, the peace that surpasses all understanding that, that Philippians talks about is a peace that can be given to us in spite of our circumstances, in spite of in spite of the the tension and the conflict. It's when our peace is focused on who Jesus is and we rest in what He has done, then we can have a peace that we are untroubled and unbothered 
by the things of this world. Yeah, Tony t- Tony is not going to get this piece by having the bigger stick, right? Tony. Nope. Uh, uh, and I and I think as we watch throughout, um, I mean, it's kind of like a you know Tony is um, the key figure in in all the phases of the MCU up until Infinity War. Some people, uh, there's another podcast that we're, I'm sure we're going to quote a lot um, uh, uh, that, that talks about how almost the all 22 movies of the, the first three phases is almost like through the lens of Tony Stark. And, and you could almost say that it's he, the only time he gets his piece is at the end of Endgame. which if you haven't seen Endgame. I don't want to spoil it for you, but you should watch it because it's going to get – you really see this like kind of motif of peace all throughout to the very end. Yeah. And then like even the way Infinity War end, or Endgame ends, you're like, Tony finally got his peace. And yeah. it's kind of sad how he had to get his peace, but he got his peace, right? We even talked about that like when we were talking about this podcast, when we were trying to figure out what are we going to talk about for each of the movies. Do we talk about peace now? Because this is a motif for – almost every Marvel movie all the way up through the end of Endgame um, and, and the disruption of it. Yeah, I want to go back real quick. You mentioned it's like Christmas season. Um, what do you, okay, all right. This is a little bit of a side trail, but I want to go there for a second. What What do you think of like the Christmas songs? Are you a Christmas song guy? Or are you a like, a, eh, it's okay, it's good for December, let's move on? Like where are you in the Christmas song thing? I'm not a Christmas song year round or a Christmas song, you know, at Halloween. I'm a Christmas song in December guy. I do love Christmas songs. I, mean, I actually think I love like uh, the like Christmas, like the very Jesus-y hymns of Christmas. Yeah. I think they're very beautiful. I'm not into Christmas shoes or into like Mariah Carey songs, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but I do like Christmas songs. But what's up? Well, the reason I asked that is because, okay, so I was a worship pastor for the last six years. And so we would get to the Christmas season and when we would be talking about different things, about what songs are we going to do and not. I always felt this pain of I've got to go find Christmas songs. And I love what you said about when you go and actually read them, they're almost more like hymns. And, and what are hymns supposed to do? Hymns are supposed to teach us that the theology of what is true. And what the beautiful thing about singing is it's a teaching mechanism to help us remember key truths. And so there's tons of Christmas songs like Joy to the World. What is Joy? Like joy is just perspective in seeing things God's way, right? And it brings about a peace inwardly that the Lord has come. So like there's all these different ones. And one of the Christmas songs that I enjoy is the song of um, where it has the line in it, Prince of Peace, which is totally biblical. We see that in Isaiah. We see it in other places. But when we think of Jesus as the Prince of Peace, like to me, that's it's a it's more than just simply, oh, cool. Now it feels like Christmas, Right. It's more than just the cool Christmas song I feel in December or whenever. It's actually something that if we sing about it like in the in the summer, in the spring, in the fall, in all seasons, to see him as the prince of peace or another way to say it, the prince of shalom or the person who is bringing about the completion of what he came to do in his mission of bringing God to us. Um, Emmanuel, right? That's what it means. God with us. I mean, it's just Christmas season. So it's just yeah. like, let's go. But I just think there's something beautiful when we actually see Jesus as the Prince of Peace that in some way, this is this is a little bit of a stretch, but I think it was there. They were trying to make Iron Man that. Now, I'm not going to say Iron Man's a Christmas movie. We're, just, we're not going to have the Die Hard well, conversation Well, Iron right Man now. 3 is a Christmas movie, but we're a couple, we're yeah. a couple episodes we'll, away we'll from it. We'll get there. Or a couple movies away, yeah. 
but there is something in who Jesus is that I think is seeing him as the Prince of Peace is just beautiful. It's great. like that's that's what he was designed to do. But yeah, uh, also, what else? What, let, I was gonna say let's not bypass what you just said because you said something really deep that I think is really good. Because I think uh, uh, you this has nothing to do with Iron Man, but you talked about how worship music is is often ways the way we try to train our hearts and kind of speak doctrine and theology to our lives. Worship music is the way we catechize our hearts. It's the way we we kind of remind ourselves of who God is. And one thing that worship music does is um, it speaks the truths over our lives, even if we don't quite believe it yet. And so yeah. that's why when we sing songs like oceans and it's like spirit, lead me where my, where, you know, into the middle of the water. I, I forgot the lyrics right now. Like basically the song was something like, you know, take me out where, where I'm afraid and I can have faith in you type of thing. It's like, I may not feel that in the moment, but as I sing that over in my life, it's I'm training my heart to believe these truths. It's a catechism and it's a catechism of our own hearts. So that's a, that's a huge uh, little nugget there about yeah. worship because that p- people just think, Oh, we're just singing songs. Cause that's what we do in tradition. No, no, no. You're speaking theology over your heart. This is why the worship music you sing is important. If you're singing whack stuff, you're declaring whack stuff over your heart and you don't want to do that. Right. So oh, that's good. Dude. Yeah. I mean, I was a worship pastor for four or five years in some way, shape, or form, and it's always been a piece. There's something in, all right, when you leave a church service, you leave a service, how many times do you leave there like actually saying out loud the points of the sermon? Like, no offense, Frank. Like, I mean, like, I, I, I know you're, 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 you're preaching, but you don't. But actually, one of the cool moments, I remember when I was a worship pastor, and this is, I was walking out of the bathroom. So I was not in the bathroom. I was walking out. I want to be very clear. And a family was walking by, and their six-year-old kid was humming the tune of the song that we had just sung. And he was just saying one little lines here and there. And I remember thinking in that moment, that kid is learning something about Jesus because he's going to remember in the hard times, he's going to remember. This is why it's so important to realize what's impacting us. The music we listen to, it impacts us. It's the same way with these movies. When we're watching these movies, they impact us. And so this is why um, to all of your worship leaders out there, um, really think through what are you singing? Are you teaching the truth? You're more than just making people feel good. You're actually teaching. Um, oh, I could go on a rabbit trail like this for a while, but uh, it, it's 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 just something I think that if we don't miss, and so that's we don't miss that we're teaching in these moments and we're helping people actually indwell, as Scripture will say, or to have a deep sense of understanding of who Jesus is. Worship does that. Yeah, we're impacted by everything around us. So uh, we have. I feel like that's a whole podcast for another day. We could totally. I could go for an hour and a half probably easily on that. Um, well, let me talk about what I saw in the movie. Yeah. Um, so I, the one thing I struggle that I think I'm going to struggle a lot in this podcast is to is to not think about the, the whole scope of work of the MCU in terms of the character development and just to focus on this movie. But I think I can do it in this movie where I can focus just on what Tony's doing here. Um, but to me, the big theme is that Tony needs a new heart. And so mm-hmm. the main the main plot of this movie is, you know, he he he's in this Humvee, he's taking pictures with the soldiers, they get attacked by the terrorists, and as he gets out, uh, the last thing he sees is he sees one of his missiles, and then like he the missile blows up, and what happens is is there's shrapnel in his in his heart. And then when he gets taken to this cave, um, there's this uh Jensen is there and he basically saves his life by using a magnet to keep the shrapnel away from his heart. Now, the first thing Tony does, because the terrorists are like, hey, 
we want you to make these uh, Jericho bombs for us. The first thing he does before he makes any Jericho bombs is he makes himself an arc reactor, basically this like magnetic energy that will keep his heart away from um, the shrapnel or whatever. And he and he he does this thing, and so he makes what is the prototype of what's going to be the power source of a lot of what of Tony's suits, but also it's going to be a big power source of a lot of things moving forward in the MCU. Oh, yeah. So one thing you see in this movie is him processing who he was as a man and, and is he happy with the legacy that he's leaving and, and what he needs to do to change. So he's known as kind of like, kind of how a lot of billionaires are seen, right? Like they're kind of like, like, you know, everyone makes fun of Mark Zuckerberg because he's so smart and he's so rich that he almost seems like he's impersonable. Like he doesn't have like any kind of human qualities to him or whatever. And in many ways, uh, uh, Tony Stark is the same way where he like he is he's super charming. He's super like uh, a, 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 a leader, a figure head or whatever. But he's kind of a jerk to people and to the person <laughs> that he cares about the most, which is Pepper. Uh, he treats her like trash and, yeah. and he doesn't even realize that he like truly, truly loves her or whatever. Ultimately it took, which it, this is true for a lot of us. It took him to hit rock bottom. He had to, he literally had to be near death to realize something has to change. And so he literally not figuratively, but literally needed a new heart. And that's when he get the arc reactor into his chest to kind of save his life. And so Tony needed a new heart and the Bible talks about our heart a lot. And the way the Bible talks about our heart is not necessarily the the muscle in our chest that's pumping blood, but it's the seat of where all of our emotions and our desires dwell. So when the Bible talks about your heart, it's talking about where all your the person of who you are, the emotions and the desires dwell. And what's funny is this is like I think we say the word heart in our vernacular the same way, but we've also misapplied it in the Christian world. So for example, mm. We say, we say, hey, will you accept Jesus into your heart? And we say that often. And that's a common, like, evangelistic thing. Here's oh, the dude, thing. that gave me nightmares as a kid. I was thinking about that, like, as my at literal mind, trying to, like, Jesus is in my heart. Like, that was terrifying. Anyways, yeah, he, he, it's true. But, yeah, it's a terrifying phrase. But, 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 the, but the thing is, that's not in the Bible. There's no reference. There's no nope. verse in the scripture that says Jesus is going to live in your heart. There's no reference in that. That's a very kind of like American modern view of evangelicalism where you don't see that in scripture. There's no reference. Peter never tells anybody except Jesus into your heart. Stephen is not about to get stoned. And he's saying, hey, before you stone me, accept Jesus in your heart. Jesus never says, accept me into your heart. That's not a phrase ever given in the Bible. That's a, a, a kind of... Uh, a synthesized understanding of what scripture means about mm. your heart. But, but what's funny is the where the Bible does talk about the heart, it doesn't speak too fondly of it. So Jeremiah 17, 9 says that the heart is deceitfully wicked. Like our hearts, our natural desires as our heart is to do wicked things. It's to rebel against God. And God's solution to this yeah. wicked heart in Ezekiel, it says that he will give us a new heart. He will replace our heart of stone is what he used it. And it gives us a heart of flesh. And so therefore, it's not that that we have this shell that needs Jesus to go in and give it new life. It that we need actual heart surgery, which is kind of like a closer example of what Iron Man is doing here. He needed a new heart. He needed a new magnet because the thing that he had was a piece of crap. And so, 
And so when the Bible talks about our heart, it, it, it kind of places this thing where, you know, uh, there's a meme and I'm, I'm sure I can find it somewhere where it's like, you know, uh, people say, follow your heart. And then the, the, the meme says the heart's like, I'm deceitfully wicked. Like your heart, <laughs> <laughs> your, your, your natural desires is not a good thing. We were born yeah. into sin. We're like, you know, we, we sin with reckless abandon. We're, the Bible calls us enemies of God. And our heart is that place where our desires and our emotions lay. And God needs to remove our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. And so in the good. same way, like Tony, there needs to be this moment in our lives where we exchange our heart's desires, our heart's intentions and, and emotions. And, and, and like I said, just like Tony, sometimes it happens when we hit rock bottom. This is why oftentimes yeah. a lot of people's testimonies are, I was living recklessly and then this traumatic event happened and that's when I turned to Jesus. Let me just say this. This is kind of a side note, like the worship comment that Tommy just gave. Um, you are allowed to have a boring testimony. All right. And what I mean by that is this, is Preach. my, my, like Tommy, you have Four kids, three kids, three kids, three kids, uh, three that I know of, that I know of. <laughs> it's like unless my wife's pregnant, which is totally not true as we're doing this podcast, and it should not be true. But anyway, <laughs> but like you have three kids, and I bet your prayer is that your kids have a boring testimony. You know what I'm I saying? Mean, it's my story. Yeah, if I'm honest. Like yeah. I, I was born and I was raised in a Christian home. Yeah, my, I, I'm, I'm blessed to have this kind of a story. My parents are still together. They both love Jesus. My siblings all love Jesus. My, my biggest rebe- rebellion was I didn't go to church for two weeks my freshman year of college. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, so I, my, my testimony is more. I mean, you ask my wife, Sarah, she would say the same thing. She's like, I don't have a spectacular story. But, but when the- I think of what G- Jesus has done in my life, I'm like that new heart idea. Yeah, dude, it, it still is true for me. Yeah. I, I think like I think uh, a lot of prayers for our children should be. Um, I, I pray that there's never a day that my child doesn't love Jesus, right? Like, yes. I, I hope that's yes. the prayers that we have for our kids. And if that's your testimony, where like you grew up in a Christian home, that doesn't mean you didn't have that heart. That there was a moment where you had the heart change. It could have been a lot younger, where your bad decisions and your tr- most traumatic moments were way lighter. But but those are just as valid. You don't need the Tony Stark moment in Afghanistan to be able to have that new heart experience. I I I have more of the Tony Stark testimony. The way actually I would explain it is like there's a Paul testimony and a Timothy testimony, right? Mm. Paul's testimony is that he had to literally get beat up by Jesus and knocked off his horse for him to come to a come to Jesus moment. A man's road, yeah. Where Timothy. Uh, grew up with his mother and grandmother and showing them, showing him the way. And so therefore, like, those are two very beautiful and valid testimonies. Mm. And God still changed the hearts of both of those men. And God changes the hearts of both people. Going back to the, the Iron Man thing is, Tony needed a new heart. And then what you see is, to some degree, because I know we disagree with this a little bit, to some degree, that there is a heart change in Tony, at least reflectively, I mean, when he gets back, he's like, I don't want to do weapons anymore. I want yeah. to do, he, like when he first gets back from Afghanistan, he's like, he wants to do the Elon Musk thing. He wants to do clean, clean energy. That's all he wants to do. And, um, and, and so, and, and, and so he's, he's there and he's back and he, he has his initial heart change and we can actually talk about this maybe in a later podcast or something, but it's almost like he's in this cage stage moment where he's like, he, he goes to the complete opposite of the pendulum and he goes to almost like legalism, if you will. Yeah. But, but what what's really happening is I think what you see is the beginning of heart transformation where the heart has changed and his mind 
what Romans 12 talks about, the renewing of your mind, is starting to catch up with what's going on in the heart, right? Oftentimes, God changes our hearts before He rene- before we completely understand in our mind what's what it means to follow Christ, right? And so I yeah. think for Tony, he has his heart change. He realizes that something needs to change in his life, and he slowly begins to see that things need to change. And that begins by maybe treating Pepper a little better. You do see some selflessness mm-hmm. um, towards the end with he was ready to die, um, which would not be something. I mean, literally later in the movies, he actually makes a comment against Captain America where he says, the, the right call isn't to sacrifice yourself, but to be in a situation where you don't have to sacrifice yourself. So you still see some hypocrisy there. Foreshadow. Yeah, yeah. But but what you do see is uh, is is him beginning to change his worldview and his mentality. And it began by a, a radical heart change in Afghanistan. Yeah, you mentioned earlier that you and I differ on on a yeah. point. And I think I think it's it the question is, did Tony really change? Yeah. That was that was the part where you and I differ. And like in the big meta of Marvel, like phase one, two, three, like the first 22 movies, whatever it is, whatever the number is, I would argue, yes, he changed. But we talked about it's the sanctification process, right? It's what his first his first moment, his Emmaus wrote his Paul like conversion of Tony. Um, I would say this is my argument. And I know you and I differ. I don't think his character changes in this movie. I think his mission did. So he his his character. He was still the same womanizing. Like, yeah. he was still the same, like jerk he he's starting to see the world differently his heart has changed but i don't think at the end of the movie he's still a self-serving guy he's still sure. thinking about his own good but what was the difference and i think this is the start of his change is his mission changed yeah. it went from his self-gratification his self-desire to his desire to want peace even though i would argue his desire for peace isn't the right kind of peace even though the world says it was sure and, and so did tony really change i don't think so in this movie Although you watched the movie and you think you did. And I think you differ on that, right? Well, here's what I think. And and again, this is where we said where if you listen to this, you might be saying, you guys are stretching this way too far to make this <laughs> biblical. And and that's fair. I mean, this is this is Marvel. We everyone thought Mephisto was gonna be in every scene of every movie <laughs> ever, you know. So but here's what I think is as as a pastor, I was a youth pastor for for over a decade. I've been a campus pastor now, and I'm and I've walked with a lot of new believers. And one thing I've seen is when a person gives their life to Christ, the first you're not going to be like, crushing it the first year. They're, they might be still going back to those habitual sins. They might still be confused and struggling, or or might even still. Uh, have theological questions or even actual doubts about God and stuff like that. And that's fair because oftentimes I think regeneration precedes sanctification. Actually, I don't think Mm -hmm. that. I believe that. Mm -hmm. Regeneration precedes sanctification. And and, and those are two big words. Let me define that real quick. Regeneration is the process where God uh, makes us righteous. it's, It's the exchange of our sin for Jesus's righteousness that happens at the cross. And when you put your faith in him, you are regenerated. You get that that new heart that we just talked about. When God yeah. sees you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees Jesus's righteousness on you. So righteousness precedes, uh, regeneration rather, precedes sanctification. Sanctification is the process of making you more like Jesus. It's, it's, yeah. the, it's the lifelong process of you becoming conforming to the image of God. And I think 
one thing that's true about sanctification is that it's not a straight line. It's not like I'm a believer now, boop, 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 and you're going straight to perfection. That's not, not how- the roller coaster, just continual up. No, up no, no. Ride. It is. It's the stock market. It's up and down, and up and down, and up and down, and up and down. And, and one thing I think is true when it comes to uh, the life of a lot of believers when they first get saved is it doesn't look pretty. I mean, I, how many times have you met a new Christian and they just keep cussing? They're like, I effing love Jesus. It's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is adorable and I love it that like you don't get it yet, but you have passion for Jesus. I almost think that's kind of like Iron Man right there. It's like, yeah. like he knows something needs to happen. He understands yeah. that conceptually, but he doesn't have the vocabulary. He doesn't have the tools yet to fully see what it looks like to be Ultimately, what Iron Man's going to be, which it also ultimately it takes some spoiler alert 12, 13 years to get to that person that he needs to yeah. be or he is going to be. But but for us as a believer, it, I mean, sanctification is a process. Now, sanctification happens when you are consistently going uh, to church, when you're surrounding yourself with godly people, when you're spending your time in God's word. Sanctification happens. Um, at a faster rate in those in, the, in those times, yeah. but what we see is Iron Man is is beginning to see that something needs to change. That the way he was living his life that cannot be the way, and he and he has a new focus, new intentions. I mean, what we're gonna see in the very next podcast in in the Hulk, what was the mid credit scene? Or actually, it was like the it wasn't even the mid credit scene. It was like before the credits even started, but. Uh, what we see instead of Nick Fury showing up saying, I'm creating a team, it was Tony that shows yeah. up. And so therefore, something happens where Tony is like, I want to do this alone. I'm the genius. And 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 you can and maybe the writing is gonna cloud this up a little bit, but but Tony's hearts begin to change after he has that experience. And I think that is an example, an allusion to what happens at regeneration when we get our heart exchange um, with a heart of flesh the Lord gives us. And, and and I think you could hear this and you go, it's an ongoing journey and all these things, and that can be discouraging. Honestly, I think that's encouraging. I've been following Jesus for years, and it's this, it's more of a stock market than an up, uphill climb like you talked about. But the general trajectory is that uphill climb. I understand more. I'm more aware of what it means to follow him. I, I And the beauty of what I enjoy, some people be like, oh, you mean you don't fully understand? You have a master's degree in the Bible, and you don't fully understand it, or you don't fully understand God and stuff. I'm like... I actually think that's beautiful because when we talk about eternity and talking about eternity with God and being there, the beautiful thing is I'm going to continually learn who he is. I mean, my heart's going to continue to grow. I'm going to continue to understand. I'm going to start to see the world through his eyes more and more. And I think that's the beauty of sanctification or the, that process of it. It never really ends. It, it's always continual. And so I, I think there's something just beautiful about that. And that's why I would argue you're right. It is the beginning of his journey. But the question, did Tony change this movie? The answer is no. <laughs> um, but I would say his mission that he's about to go on of finding peace is going to literally impact future movies. Yeah. It's going to impact his future. And um, I think his entire character is defined by that. Yeah, It's defined now by him trying yeah. to find peace. Yeah. This was good. Uh, there's a uh, there's a couple quick other references that I found in this movie that I think is, is worth noting. Um, Obadiah Stane's problem is he has a lust for power and greed, and I think that is the. I, I mean, I feel like that's like the bad guy for almost every single Iron Man is this like lust for power, and greed, except for Iron Man Two, but that character is weird. Uh, I mean, uh, you could argue like 
uh, Iron Man 2 a little bit, even like in other Marvel movies, they're starting to become more ambiguous. Yeah. Um, I mean, even hashtag Thanos was right. Spoiler <laughs> alerts. I mean, like there's a lot of questions. So like, yeah, but you're right. In these early movies, that was one thing that stood out to me. And we'll see it even more so in the Hulk in the next yeah. episode yeah. that we jump into. Let me there's just this say, very stark good and bad. Let me just say, I don't think Thanos was right, but I understand that it's uh, it's it's a bit more gray than clear. Um, oh, I agree. Agree. Uh, so one thing that you might hear us talk about often throughout these movies, because this is like the main superhero trope and what makes um, these movies very similar is what's called a Christ figure. And so so when you learn what this is, you'll find it in literally every movie from Lord of the Rings to the Lego movie. You'll find these characters in every to movie. Moana. To Moana. I mean, dear yeah. Lord, like every movie. It's the Christ figure. So the Christ figure is any character that sacrifices himself for either the greater good or for their enemies. And we see this throughout. I mean, you'll, you'll hear it almost in every movie we talk about. But um, but in this one, Jensen, like literally the very beginning, sacrificed himself mm-hmm. uh, for Tony. And and that was I thought like it was really good writing because Jensen wanted to leave the cave to be with his family, and ultimately his family was already dead. And so he, when he sacrificed himself, he was like, "I'm going to go see my family." And I thought that was he really, even his his really line. Good. He um because he says, "I want to go see my family" to Tony, and Tony goes, "No, no, you need to stay. You need to stay alive. You need to stay alive." And when you get to your family, he goes, "Tony, my family is dead. I'm going to see them now. I want this." Wow, like yeah. that line of just he he's. The peace for him is to be with his family yeah. wherever they are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then and then I mentioned this. Tony had a moment where he was ready to be a Christ figure. There's that moment where he was like telling Pepper to press the button. And uh, Pepper didn't want to. And Tony was like, just do it. And and like that was also, I think, a form of bad writing, though. Like, because <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the explosion happens and it just cuts to like Tony at the press conference or whatever. And I'm like, all right. There could have been more there, but whatever. I mean, this was – I think that movie had like a really low budget and so whatever. They maybe, they maybe edited something out. And then lastly, and this is like a really low-hanging fruit. You'll see this in a bunch of movies. Uh, Obadiah Stane is a type of Judas. He he like – there's a big betrayal. And I think that's common in a lot of these superhero movies where Marvel loves taking a character and making them be a betrayer like halfway through. And that's like a Judas figure. Um, and yeah. you see that in a lot of movies. So anyways – any final thoughts about Iron Man that you want to want to share? No, I thought this is this. It was fun to go back and rewatch it. Um, it brought back a lot of good feelings. It reminded me. I've said it several times. Just how much these things impact us, um, and how we let them. So the idea of peace, the idea of sanctification, the idea of needing a new heart. But I think the 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 last bit that I think goes is like when Tony found the mission. The mission is what going on that is what started to change his heart too. And I think I don't want to miss the idea of like us being on mission for Christ, going make disciples, Matthew 28, is stemmed out of us loving God, loving people, and him putting a new heart in us. And that mission, when we stay on it, that's where those other pieces come from. And I think that's where part of the sanctification process comes that I think is just beautiful. And dude, this is fun. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, we talked about, like, who's going to listen to this and how nerdy are we going to be talking about the Bible and Marvel? And I'm like, dude, I was, we're recording this on a Monday morning. I was excited to wake up on a Monday morning, drink my coffee, and talk Marvel and Jesus. Like, this is just fun. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing 
I mean, literally, if, this, this, if there's a Venn diagram of my two favorite things, it's a it's a perfect circle right now. Talking about Jesus and Marvel, it's it's pretty great. But hey, thanks for listening to uh, the the marvelous gospel. I am Frank. I'm I'm here with Tommy. If you want to find us, go on social media. We have Instagram, all that kind of stuff. All that's in the show notes. And we hope you join us next time as we watch the Hulk. See you next time. Bye. See ya. Thank you.